When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with Yael Becker. She's a fellow podcaster. She has the Can Relate podcast. She was also a former belly dancer and she recently moved just like I did. We were just talking about that. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey, how you went from like, what made you start podcasting? How did you get into this space? How did you go from being a belly dancer to a political commentator? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I know it's, uh, it's quite the journey, but, uh, it's funny cause I've always done a ton of different things in my life mm-hmm. and I, I actually, uh, went and did a little bit of an analysis of how in the world all the things that I've done kind of connected, you know, because I did singing, I was even in the wedding industry at some point, my, uh, I was a business major, but I was going to work in the music industry. I mean, it's just all over the place. And then the belly dance thing, I owned uh, my own belly dance fitness brand for a decade. Wow. And uh, the connection between everything from (laughs) the analysis I've done is that I am just a people person. I'm like an entertainer. So whatever is like a people facing role and talking, you know, and teaching, whatever is like a people facing uh, entertainment type of role is is something that I'm generally into. But uh, in terms of getting from the business closing to the podcasting world, it kind of started because I got a little bit political, probably I want to say around like 2015. I want to say when uh, probably when Trump started uh, running. Mm -hmm. Before that, honestly, I was always like, I don't care. I have no idea, zero idea about politics. I don't care. Always, I was always like, I'm so busy. I don't care. I don't care. It's just it was not even close to like something that I was interested in listening to anything at all. Um, But you know, what caught my attention was the culture shift is what I felt. Interesting. Because, right, because all of a sudden, it started affecting me, right? All of a sudden, it wasn't just politics. (laughs) Yeah, all of a sudden, it's like, wait, what is this, (laughs) right? So obviously, I paid attention, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I was still doing the same thing. I've always been the same way. I run my mouth. I don't really filter. It was, you know, always kind of like my brand in a way. That's how people knew me. Like no matter what I did, I just kind of run my mouth and whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even if it's before, you know, teaching a belly dance class or whatnot, I'm very like, you know, no filter. I'll make like off the cuff jokes or whatever. And I felt that the culture slowly, well, it felt like it was overnight, but <laughs> I think it was slowly turning into, you know, it was like the people getting offended. And then I think the big thing was just the Trump hysteria that caught my attention. That's sure. what caught my attention. Um, and I grew up in Israel until I was 12. So while the majority of my, you know, life was in the U.S., um, culturally, yeah. uh, Israelis are very like they're very like loud and obnoxious and, and like kind of kind of crass. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. so, <laughs> so you can see how you wouldn't really be offended by somebody like Trump, right? Right. So that's another thing that caught my attention. It was like, okay, why is everybody freaking out? We need to like take him. I mean, I found it hysterical for one. Okay, that's, that's you know, one thing. <laughs> I was, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was here for the entertainment. Again, I have no skin in the game. I'm not political. I'm just like cracking up at this ridiculousness that's happening. Meanwhile, everybody's having a meltdown and I'm watching one thing and I'm seeing the media say another thing. And I'm kind of like just trying to figure out what is going on here. Right. Um, so I think that was kind of like the beginning of how I got into into politics. And, and it's you know, you can say I did quite a deep dive in because when I get into something, I get into something. <laughs> uh, and so that. <laughs> you know, um, I'm one of those people. So I think that's how the, the journey began. And then kind of at the same time, um, you know, I was deciding to close down my business. Long story short, it was it was due to like music royalties. And I just kind of hit a wall in several places. And I just decided this is not this is not flowing, you know, the way that I wanted to and the vision that I had was not going to happen. Um, and I came to like a closure with that. And as I had downtime, I'm very into like, you know, self-reflection and meditation and just trying to figure out what to do next, what to do next. And I just couldn't put my finger on it. Like for the first time in my life, I couldn't put my finger on what I'm going to do next, which is really strange for me because everything I've done was always like, oh, I'm doing this for sure. I'm doing this for sure. It was like just on to the next. And, you know, I have like a clear vision. And all of a sudden for once, like my vision was just not clear about what I wanted to do. And I, I, I was like, what, what is this? <laughs> like, what, what am I supposed to do? And, you know, I took a lot of downtime in that downtime. I also, you know, I, I did more reading and research and reading and research like obsessively <laughs> about, you know, right. politics and everything that was going down. And, and every time I med- meditated on it, I came back into like, you need to get into something political, something people facing. You got to speak the truth. You got to say what's on your mind. This is what you do. You've always said what's on your mind. You can't shy away from this now. You can't like cower. You can't. And, and every time I was like, no, 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 I don't do this. I don't want to do this because people are going to hate me. Right. And when you're a people person, you know, and just in, in a human being, right. Uh, we want to be liked. Right. I mean, hello. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> right. It's not that it's not that difficult. And when you enter this space, you I'm sure know uh, it's rough out there. Right. This is not exactly the space you enter when you want all the love in the world. <laughs> uh, <No. laughs> not quite. That's and so uh, 
Yeah. And, but, but every time I sat with it and, and thought about it, I kind of came back to that same conclusion. So uh, long story, very long. That's, that's how I kind of went from, uh, from the belly dance world into, into the politics world. So I'm kind of like new, I guess, in a way to the podcasting thing, although I've kind of always done this without the mic and without the culture being absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty insane out there for sure. Um, I, I would argue out there. probably always been insane, but I think now it's much more transparent how much of a clown world it is. Um, and it's getting progressively more and more so. So when you say you're newer to the podcast, but you were doing this before, um, so did you start like political commentary before you started the podcast or you said 2015? No. Oh. Yeah, no. I mean, I meant to, to the extent where like, I always, I always ran my mouth, right? Okay. you know, and like, and I've always had very like public, you know, positions, whether it was in my classes, I did workshops, I certified trainers, stuff like that. And, right. you know, people stayed for hours before my class and after my class, just to chat, you yeah. know, and I'm talking like groups of people. And there was never like, I never filtered myself or like held back or, you know, it was just never a thing. So it, this is like, not, not something new. It's just that I'm pressing record pretty much. Right. Um, <laughs> that's, that's really the difference. Yeah. And, and the difference is the reaction from the crowd, you know, some people just uh, did not love this direction that I took, even though I stick by the fact that I am in the same direction that I've always been. It's everybody else that uh, seems to have kind of shifted. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so when you started, so did you start back in 2015 or that's when you started uh, opening up like your perspective on politics and what, how oh, long? Yeah, that's, that's a good, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yeah. So 2015 was just like, observation like I, I still had my business and everything yeah. yeah um yeah I didn't even speak out it was very like um yeah I, I think that that's that's the part that was eating me up inside it was all of a sudden I felt like I needed to kind of walk on eggshells to speak that was the, the kind of shift in the culture that yeah. I really did not like yeah, it, that's when I felt that difference, right? Especially near like friends or people that, you know, you have your guard down, like who cares? You say whatever, right? All of a sudden it's this big, like, what can I say? What can I not say? Let's not get into this. Let's not get into that. And I was like, what's happening? I mean, it, it, it felt like, like we both know that this has, this was really like a gradual thing that has occurred. Right. But it kind of felt like it was overnight almost sure. because, probably because it like it, it amped up, um, amped up <laughs> and probably because of like, I, I think the Trump thing just like broke a lot of people's brains, um, like really. And then with the help of the media, obviously. Um, so, so, see, so seeing that, um, that's how that, that shift started. But I mean, I started my podcast only about like a year ago, I think, or something like that. Um, and, and just speaking yeah. out, um, oh, yeah, so there you go. And yeah. you know, it's funny. It's like, it, it really took me a while to, to kind of make the decision. Even when I started kind of posting on Instagram, I'm saying kind of, because I was, I was 
making generalizations. Like I wasn't being really, really true. Okay. I don't want to say that it was sugarcoating because that, that's too much, but I was still cutting corners in a way. Like I still had a little bit of a filter to right. what I was saying. I understand. Where, yeah, where I decided at some point, I really don't know, maybe six months ago, maybe a little bit more, I guess. Um, that's when I decided, like, listen, you're either going to do this or you're not right. Like for real, like you're either, you're either going to really not have the filter like at all, at all. Like, doesn't matter who you might be offending or what buttons you're pressing or who is about to like, you know, curse you out. <laughs> right. You you've got to do it or you got to, you know, and, and, and I think that's when, that's when things actually started taking off too, like on my Twitter and everything, because it's just what you have to do. It's like, you either say the truth or you don't, you know, you've got to like commit to that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I I applaud you for doing that. What has been the biggest obstacle that you've come up against or the biggest surprise that you've encountered as you started to share more of your views? And this is twofold question. And how have your views shifted so you said you came from this, from not being political at all, right? So, and more finding oh, it yeah. amusing than anything. So yeah, so whichever one you want to answer yeah. first. Yeah, uh, okay. So the surprising part was that strangers tend to uh, kind of gravitate towards you more and people who feel like they know you. And I should kind of say that, I guess, with like air quotes, because these were more like clients, not necessarily friends of mine, but you know, people feel, I guess, like a certain comfort with you, especially, and, and you probably know this, especially if you share like a dance class or a fitness class, there's this like connection with people. And so maybe sometimes the connection feels stronger than like they feel a certain comfort level and so unfortunately uh I think a lot of people felt like they could just kind of attack me because they know me like it was like it was like yeah it was a a certain comfort level which yes when we're dancing together I want that comfort level but you know let's uh let's keep it respectful if we're gonna play the game and I don't know if you find that this happens to you but we do a lot of reading and digging and research and, and like, we really care mm-hmm. about like, we, we don't just like, you know, I just, I don't just wake up and just like, blah, like say stuff. Right. Like, oh. like I really dig in. Right. And totally. I don't know if you, re- if you get the same thing where people kind of assume that you are just like, you know, you read a headline and you're like spewing it out. And so that's how they argue back with you. Oh yeah. And it's like, I think it's because that's what they do. So they assume that's what you do. And it's like, I don't think you're prepared for the debate that we're about to have because I am obsessed. (laughs) So I don't know if you're ready for this, but I did find that the people that feel comfortable kind of yelling at me and I yelling like through the internet uh, (laughs) are people who have taken my classes. Strangers, they'll just say like, stupid like curses here and there but that's about it but it is interesting that it's the people who kind of feel like they can you know 
say that stuff to you, like that you're spreading misinformation and that you're dangerous mm-hmm. and this and this and this and that. Uh, so that's been a very interesting part. And as far as shifting my politics, um, so yeah, so I was never political, right? So I never really thought like, oh, I'm a Democrat. I'm a you know, I, ne- I never put myself into anything because I didn't care. Um, but, you know, when Trump came around, you know, I thought that I was probably more on like the conservative side if, if I had to identify myself. Um, oh. Although, honestly, I don't even think that Trump was really conservative. But then again, you know, I, Populist. you know, yeah. that's, that's, kind of, yeah. So, yeah. so I kind of identified with that. Um, but then I think as time went on, and especially um, through like 2020 and such, I found myself much more on the libertarian path and then towards like the anarchist path. I move very <laughs> <Yeah>. quickly. <laughs> I move quite fast. Uh, <laughs> I've always been like that. I don't know that I'm fully there yet, but I've definitely had some, you know, you, you feel it, you feel just, it. Just, you know, say F them all. Want. <laughs> Government literally means to control. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, that's literally what it means. So I'm like, yeah, maybe yeah. you can do away with them. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's true. Once you kind of start, uh, you know, like digging into that level, I mean, so, so I, I went like, you know, uh, I, I think I think it is a natural pipeline, though, as much as it, it might sound funny, it is a natural progression because exactly what you said, it's like the whole realizing that the government is like your main issue, like the the big central federal government, you know, more than anything. Um, and then you kind of end up going down that that road. And, and I definitely think COVID uh, <laughs> drove a lot of people in that direction. So yeah, that, that's where I'm at. <laughs> What'd you say? No, it definitely exposed a lot, I think, for a lot of people. And I I think that's one of the silver linings of it is that, you know, I always say the Great Awakening will combat the Great Reset, right? So I I think that COVID was pretty instrumental in awakening a lot of people, at least beginning that journey. You know, they say red pilling, but yeah, I think that that was- I so agree with you. Yeah, I'm so with you. I think think we're- we're, we're experiencing it like slowly, but surely. And I think some people might not realize it because we're in it. Mm-hmm. And when you're in something, it's so yeah. hard to kind of realize that, right? You, you, ha- yeah. you have to kind of like step outside of yourself and like view everything from, from an external view. Cause I view. Yeah, some people, yeah. yeah, you, you kind of have to, right? Because it's very hard to judge. We're in this mess and yeah. we're like, you know, we're not, we're not at the end. We're not at the beginning. Like we're smack in it. So, you know, a lot of times people don't realize like people are just starting to wake up. Like this is, you know, this is a journey. (laughs) It is. It is. I, unfortunately things are ramping up so much that I, I worry about how much time we have for people to wake up. Like, come on, let's get there. It up. <laughs> so I, I heard a few interesting things regarding that, by the way. So the first one was, uh, and I don't remember who it was, it might've been Jordan Peterson on the Joe Rogan podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I haven't finished listening to that one. It was four hours. I, I'm, almost po- <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost positive that's it. I hope I'm right. Um, regarding the fact that, you know, when an animal is like in its like 
dying stages where it's like almost completely dead that's when it's like the most vicious yeah so in a way this is this is kind of like a years and I've heard him say that on other yeah yeah Cool. Okay. So, uh, I think that's, that's a super white pin right there. Like very, uh, positive kind of, you know, they're, they're ramping up because they're losing, they're freaking out. It's almost like, you know, you know, when, when you have no, it's, it's almost like when somebody has like nothing to lose, they just like go balls to the wall. <laughs> right. Well, there is also, uh, and this is more of a biblical reference, but you know, pride goeth before the fall. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so in a way it, it's positive, but it is hard to, uh, to see that because I, I do think that it gets harder before it gets better. You too. I, I worry about that. I worry about how much harder it's going to get. And I really worry about how prepared we are for that. So what you said, you moved here when you were 12. So is your whole family, uh, in the States now, or do you have family still in it's- his house? Yeah, it's just my immediate family here. So, uh, yeah, my extended family is still in Israel. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird one. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm personally not vaccinated. Um, some of my family is not over there. They definitely are. Um, it's I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen over there. It is crazy. I mean, you basically can't do anything unless you're vaccinated and I don't know what their end game is over there I don't know if you know that they have like the their government has a contract with Pfizer and that's why it's like so like heavily vaccinated and um they are basically giving the data to Pfizer yeah yeah and I actually know that uh this is kind of inside baseball so I don't know how much specifics I'll go into just yet I'd rather get clearance on it but um but I, I'll just loosely say that I do know that there is word that there was a, a non uh you know not GMO type of injection pharmaceutical that they were working on that was much more traditional um, and that, that, that was, that came to a screeching halt and it was because of the big pharma companies that made a deal with the government. So that's, a uh, it's kind of disappointing. It's, that's not so good. <laughs> yeah. Super disappointing. I'm currently reading the, um, uh, the real Anthony Fauci. Have you read that yes. one yet? Yes. Yes, I have. Yep. And your friend uh, actually bought it for me and I listened on one of my drives and uh, I can't say too much if it was super new. I think it was great for people who are not. Yeah. I mean, some of us who've been like, you know, into all of this you're like, yes, I know. Like, okay, but I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I so glad- agree with you. Right. But I'm glad he laid it all out there. It was super comprehensive. It was super detailed. I think it was pretty irrefutable in many regards for a lot of people who are, you know, still questioning some of the, you know, alternative uh, narratives. Um, I think they they presented a really great case with, you know, tremendous data. Um, so in that regard, I think it was a well-composed book. And I, I know a lot of the uh, top doctors were uh, editors on that book. So I'm, I'm really glad they did it. But yeah, what were you going to say about uh, it's it? It's so funny that you, yeah, I, I, I'm so agreeing with you. It's so funny because we're, you know, we're so in this that it's like a joke, <laughs> honestly. Um, and I, I'm so with you to the point where you're like, 
I know this information, but it was, um, it was different to hear it almost in order. Cause we also kind of like lived it. it yes. And right. It so yeah, it, it was nicely laid out where there were times where I've heard books and, you know, I finished that by the end, I was kind of like, all right, like could have written this myself, <laughs> you know, not <laughs> right at this point, like, my God, it's like sick. But, uh, but, <laughs> but this one is much, there were uh, like a few details that also, you know, we have so much happening that you kind of forget some of the details too. Of so I did yeah. think that the way that it was like, yeah, hearing it chronologically, like, it really makes you sick. Like, even if you already know the information. Yeah. So I think that's why I, I, I think that one is great, at least so yeah. far. Really, really. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think it was also so great to have it laid out, you know, for, for the masses, you know, who aren't, aren't seeped in it and, you know, may not have known. And I certainly learned things. It's not like I knew everything in the book. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> That, you know, um, I will say that my one pet peeve, if I had to make a criticism, um, is that if he said democracy one more time, I was going to like throw something like we are a constitutional republic. We are not a democracy. <laughs> like, yes, right? I, I'm with you on that. I'm so with you on that. And especially, you know, as I said, I'm down like the anarchist pipeline at this point. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I think democracy is a false god at this point. So like, let's just, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like editing those uh, words out of, <laughs> as I was, I'm listening also on Audible. Yeah. The Greeks um, knew that, you know, they, they, they feared democracy because they feared mob rule. And that is what we're seeing. So, yeah. It's totally what we're seeing. Yeah, I, I'm so with you on that. So totally. But uh, isn't it funny? Like uh, just the amount of information that we know at this point, it's it's like nearly comical. Like I, I always joke with like some of my friends that do the same thing, like in group chats or like whatever, like every once in a while, I just be like, all right, like I know we have like a PhD on this already, but you know, <laughs> it's true, uh, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. I'm like, I forgot what topic it was, but at some point I was like, all right, I'm handing you all PhDs, like unofficial. <laughs> unofficial uh, titles PhD yeah (laughs) seriously so what are some of the things that you've obviously done a lot of research and diving and what are some of the things that have been really surprising to you that you've learned over the past uh, few years all right how are we going to get into that um (laughs) all right let's see Uh, if I go into maybe my my most recent yeah, uh, like cha- changes of politics, let's say. Yeah. Um, so like I said, like the the anarchist pipeline is definitely something that um, I actually I I read the the anarchist handbook. I don't know if you, you saw that. It's not the anarchist cookbook. It's the anarchist handbook. It's organized by Michael Malice. Highly recommend. Uh, it's a compilation of essays. Um, really, really interesting. It the best way I can describe it. It's like it's like a deep meditation. It's like, I feel like it's another layer where, you know, when somebody just suggests an idea and it just sounds totally crazy, right? So like most people, when you say like no government or whatever, they just think you're like a total lunatic or mm-hmm. what's going to happen. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be like murder. And, and I don't know. And, and you start reading these essays, which by the way, some of them are quite like 
difficult. Like I had to read them several times, right? Um, it's, yeah, it, the best way I can describe it, it's like you you hit like a deep, like trance <laughs> meditation where you're like, wow. Like it's it's quite enlightening when you when you shift that way of thinking. Right. So that's been one of the, my, my newest uh, like changes, um, obviously due to what's happening. Um, I think the second biggest is actually, uh, which is might be more controversial with if you have uh, conservative <laughs> viewers uh, is my stance on police. And that I want to say maybe started, I guess, the summer riots. I, I might might be um, just the, you know, the, the lack of response from police to, um, you know, the burnings, the BLM riots, the, uh, you know, we, I, I was in Long Island city at the time, like fireworks at like two in the morning, you know, and yeah, I, where I was in Santa Monica fireworks constantly. Yep. I mean, talk about like waking up to a, like if you have any sort of PTSD, like good luck with that, or, you know, pets, or I don't know if you're just a normal person trying to get some sleep, uh, you know, <laughs> loud noises like that at 2am, not ideal. And, you know, nobody doing anything about it. Just, and just noticing like the double standards. Um, That's between- what I noticed. I actually didn't care so much about the fireworks, but the double standard was really driving me bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. That's what, what it comes down to at the end. Um, the double standards. And so what, uh, I forgot who recommended it. Probably Michael Malice recommended, uh, reading ordinary men, actually Jordan Peterson as well. Um, and that kind of talks about, uh, it goes into basically how normal people, uh, you know, became like Nazi soldiers, Uh, And it's wild and it's fascinating. And it's, I guess you could say humbling (laughs) because you kind of realize like they're normal people, right? Because it's easy to to view these people as just like these unique monsters that are like not like you. And, and so, so I think that, that really, really shifted my perspective on, um, Police, and when I say police, I mean specifically like state police. Yeah. Right. So the idea is kind of like, I have no problem with like private security, <laughs> right? Like private yeah. security, I can, you know, it's it's no problem, you know, because, but there becomes an issue, and we're clearly seeing it, especially with like, you know, Capitol Police um, on January sixth, so just a bunch of different instances uh, of what happens when the state has a monopoly on the police it's scary yeah well i mean the state the police should not be working for the state the police should be working for the people so you know when you talk about like people's theories on you know like when they hear anarchism that you know there's gonna be chaos and i think really you know i I say like i've kind of teetered with that like maybe that's a good (laughs) idea but the reality is that the big problem with government is centralized government so it's the federal centralization and now they want to go globalization Um, and that's really the biggest problem local government is there to protect and provide and you know that is always what at least in this country but if you look throughout history typically that's what government 
uh, in the eyes of the people was to be. You know, it was not exactly. supposed to be this massive overarching power over the people. It was supposed to, uh, you know, protect when there was emergencies, crimes, you know, you know, the, the police, the local police department, the firefighters, the, you know, local roads and, you know, education, I, I feel actually very differently about, but, you know, that's a whole different topic. Um, but you know, <laughs> those kinds of things. Um, that I think, you know, those are where government does belong. And I think uh, part of the problem in this country, I think, is that people have deferred way too much power to the central federal government. And they don't get, and, you know, this is on both sides, but I actually think that the left is really good at getting involved locally and they, they work ground up. So what's interesting about the left is they see power as top down but the way they achieve it is by infiltrating ground up. Whereas the right kind of does the opposite. Their, their ideology is everything should be grassroots. Everything should be ground. You know, the people that's the ideological, the philosophical ideology of the right. However, yeah. in practicality, most of them don't get, you know, involved or, you know, uh, even interested until there's a federal election. And, uh, you know, I mean, we, we see where that, that leads us. That's not, we don't really have a lot of, so, I mean, arguably, you know, Carol Quigley claims we haven't had, you know, federal elections for over a hundred years, which is entirely possible. But even if we wanted to I'm be- I'm kind of in that, I'm kind of in that boat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of am too. Um, but even if we were to be benevolent and give the benefit of the doubt and say that we actually did, our constitution was constructed, constructed such that, you know, there are three branches. The executive branch isn't supposed to have that much power. He's not a monarchy. Like it's not, you know, it's not a king. So I, I think that's a huge, huge problem. So, uh, so when you talk about the, uh, that was sorry. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a great observation. I never thought about about the you know that the left focuses on you know the grassroots, even though they really you know they always look at like the president for you know like power, and then the right. Yeah, wow, that's so, wild. I never thought about it that way. So, the, in terms of strategy, in terms of strategy of seizing the power, yeah. left goes. Yeah through they infiltrate you know it's a long march oh they sure do oh they sure do right yeah and that that is very strategic but in terms of power they're looking to centralize everything it's just the way they go about it is from the bottom up and then they work top down once they have power whereas the right believes in grassroots bottom bottom up power but you know they only get motivated when it's like a big federal election, like, hello, people, it's a little late. <laughs> you know what else? You know what else is interesting that I've noticed? And I almost wonder if this is like a forever problem by nature. Okay, so the left is just so organized they and are. they do so well, but yeah. it's also because they tend to have much more of a hive mind. And so then on the right, there's yes. always so much more infighting because yes. of the general like belief in individuality. Yes. And that, so that's always gonna be, yeah. 
yeah, it's almost like we can complain about the right not being as, as organized or as like together or whatnot, but it's almost like you can't, it's part of the problem, part of the problem. It's, you know, you're going to have differing opinions and, and people who speak the truth and they're not just going to, you know, obviously I'm making generalizations, but they're less likely to just kind of follow blindly. And, you know, in turn, you're just going to have, you're going to be less organized and you're going to be less successful. So it's complicated. No, it absolutely is. And I I think that that's spot on. I think that's a huge part of the problem. It's that the right values individuality and they value critical thought and independence. And, but I think something needs to happen in terms of uh, decentralization, because that's, it's definitely getting progressively worse. Oh yeah. Are you in the camp of national divorce? That's another camp that I'm in. (laughs) I've been radicalized. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, national divorce, what does this mean? Yeah. Um, So it's it's a subject I might not know about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, So that kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, um, the the federal government just being too big and and how to potentially uh, take it down. And there are pretty solid arguments, which, you know, also goes hand in hand with the anarchy idea, and that is to somehow split up the country whether it's like one state like state by state leaving or you know uh (laughs) today oh my gosh okay go on i i just proposed really like how this could yeah and i'll tell you it after yes continue (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's pretty much it you know people have different you know i've seen different like maps of things you know part of them obviously there are ones that are jokes too Some, some of them are like legit um you know they, they're like maps of the U.S. like and it's like divided mm-hmm. um but yeah I mean I, I not jokingly I really am in that camp and uh I mean hell Texas is big enough to be its own country anyway so uh, and and obviously you know and and a big yeah. reason why this is a good idea besides making the federal government you know non-existent pretty much is uh you know, doing this as peaceful as possible, right? Like we want to, you know, we don't see eye to eye as a culture. Like we, we really have two different cultures in this country at this point. And it's not at the point where we can just unite, like in terms of principles, like we can unite in terms of, you know, at least from my perspective, you know, I can do business, I can, you know, I can shop, I can whatever, but ideologically, you know, we are like, we're like black and white. I mean, you're talking about people who don't want freedom and people who want freedom, yes. you know, people who want the government to tell them what to do and other ones that want the exact opposite. I mean, we are like legitimately opposites. And so the, the most peaceful way to resolve this is to just, you know, amicably <laughs> like divorce. <laughs> That's hilarious. So what I have proposed is that I think that one of the solutions could possibly be to create a bunch of, because it is so scattered, right? So when we first created our independence as a nation, you know, we, we were very small (laughs) and we were all, you know, so it's much easier to organize and communicate. And now we are so atomized. Um, And, you know, what they're doing with all the censorship is creating further atomization. Um, So what I had proposed was that there would be like sanctuary cities 
um, that create essentially their own, uh, you know, organized kind of uh, militias and, uh, you know, basically sanctuary city. That's essentially what it would be. You know, they declare that these, uh, you know, the, the, this code would be applicable here. You know, they have their own constitutions and they, those rights would be preserved in that area. Um, and then if they need to congregate, if they're all aligned enough, then they would separate. And that was kind of, you know, the theoretical model. <laughs> so I guess it's- yeah, uh, I, I mean, it makes sense. It, mm -hmm. it really does. I mean, there's, there's no reason to, for us to stay together in my eyes. You know, so, what, like, what is the point? People are suffering like every four to eight years with, you know, a presidency that they, they, they absolutely hate. And it really, really impacts their lives after a while. So my thoughts on this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. I will share a little bit and then you can tell me what you think about it. Um, but I think that that's really like worst case scenario. I think a lot of this is being driven by a global force, uh, you know, a global elite force. And I think that the antidote to, they're trying, you know, I always say they have a trinity that they worship and it's the triple Ds. It's a, the de deceive, deception, division, and destruction. So they deceive, they distort, you know, invert uh, to make things, you know, those are their inversion tactics, like Solinsky wrote a whole book on, it, you know. Um, I and, posted about that today. That's so funny. Oh, really? <laughs> the rules for radicals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I posted, I started this so funny. Go ahead. Hilarious. <laughs> so then the, the division, divide and conquer which is a big one. And I think it's a re it's the one that, you know, I'm speaking to right now. And then obviously destruction, you know, destroy so they can uh, rebuild. That's the Hegelian dialectic, you know, crisis, crisis, solution, synthesis, right? Um, so they, I think the divide and conquer though is a huge part of, they're trying to foist this civil war. And I ultimately think that people who really want to preserve America and pre ultimately preserve the free will of humanity, it's uniting is a much stronger um, antidote than separating. So I, I think that, you know, we may be at a point where we have no choice and that would be, you know, the route to go if we have no other option. But I definitely don't think that that's the first line of, you know, <laughs> first line of defense, so. Yeah. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on all of that? Uh, so that used to be my position as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that used to be a position. And um, I think because the, okay, the amount of people, let's say, mm -hmm. I, I think it's fair to say like about, it's about 50, 50, pretty much like 50% of people, you know, think we should have like federal power like a strong federal government they want more they want more I do yeah I do I mean again I, I so I don't know how legitimate this election was okay but let's let's just assume let, let's just assume that okay what 
let's give it even 40%, right? Okay. I believe most people in the Democratic Party camp mm-hmm. are for, you know, they want the universal health care. They want that, sure. you know, and, and that, that goes with like the mask mandates. I mean, we've seen some polling that was super disturbing recently too regarding like, you know, vaccinated people like shouldn't belong in certain places or that they should, you know, there's always some stuff coming out every once in a while that is so bizarre. I mean, like that vaccinated people should be like censored or like, you know, we, we see these polls coming out every once in a while. Um, again, let's, let's take things with a grain of salt, but I think there's a, uh, there's enough of the United States that, um, that does not like the values of the U S anymore. And at the same time, yes, we can say, okay, but we're the ones like with the real values, let's say, but at the end of the day, I guess the, the way that I think about it is like, why do, why do we need to keep fighting mm-hmm. when there will always be approximately like, or almost half of this country that it will just be unhappy. Like every, every presidency, like, like I said, either four, eight years, people are just, you know, why, why are you suffering for like no reason when there could be like a peaceful solution where like every state or several states, you know, if they're divided into countries, they can just, sorry, go on. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. They can just uphold like whatever values they, they see fit. You know, it's kind of like, and we can still, you know, you can still trade, you can still whatever, but basically there just won't be, uh, you know, this, this federal government that we're trying to, and, and I think decentralization in general, I think that's the theme of Mm -hmm. this awakening because we're seeing that in everything too. It's Mm -hmm. the decentralization of tech, decentralization of media, everything, everything to like everything we're doing, I think that's why they're freaking out. That's why they're losing power because everything is in our hands way more than before. Like if you think about it, even like, I was going to say little things, but it's not little, even, you know, things like making movies, you know, podcasting, um, you know, everybody could be a journalist. Every, everybody could be a musician. Everybody, you know, it's not in their power anymore. They can't. and, And I think they're freaking out because they're losing control. It used to be that like, they pick you, you're the artist, you know, mm-hmm. they put a bajillion dollars into you, they make you into like a little package deal, right? And that's how you sell. And now you're like, eh, I don't want you. Like, I'm not, I don't want a record label. I'm just gonna do whatever the hell I want. With like what? A $100 mic that, you know, Michael Jackson used to record, it's $100, right? So it's like they, they, they don't have this control anymore. And that's and that's also why they're going for the censorship because that's kind of what they ha- that's that's what they have left you yeah know, how many how many more you know they don't have many moves um but back to you know the the separation <laughs> i think that that's part of the theme is that it's that's part of the decentralization and i think that at first it's a little heartbreaking because we're like but it's america like we're the united states and mm-hmm. then when you start kind of realizing that it is a peaceful solution and it's, it, there's, it doesn't mean that you're going to like fight with these other states. And, and I think that it's also like the title is going to be more different than the actual feeling. Like we're already like different states feel like different cultures here a lot of the times. It's just that we're all like slaves to this like federal government. <laughs> wow. There's so, so much in there. So 
Uh, first, I will say, I mean, we're 50 United Sovereign States, right? So I, I'm all for states' rights. The states should not be subject to the federal government. I mean, that's that's a huge, huge problem. Um, you know, the, that Jen Psaki was, I came out and said, like, you know, the states have no rights, and that is actually antithetical to our constitution. <laughs> that is flat out wrong. Um, but I think the problem is that we have, it's not really that we have red versus blue states. What we really have is blue cities versus red states. That's really the biggest problem. That's why I was saying, you know, like sanctuary towns, cities, areas, really, because it really wouldn't even be cities, right? Because really the cities tend to be controlled. Um, and this is where I go with the global problem. Uh, you know, the problem with the global elites. You're, you're familiar, I'm guessing, with like the Great Reset and yeah, uh, all of that. Unfortunately, right? yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, I mean, they've been working on these smart cities for a very long time. Yeah. And oh, yeah. yeah. So, the yeah, there, there's a reason. You're right. There's a reason why they're going for the cities for sure. Yes. The track stack and pack them. Um, that's, that's what I call it, you know. Uh, the smart cities, but they're the beta testing ground to roll everything else out. And so I, most of what's happening with the left is the left is in bed with the global elites. So they're using the left and, and the establishment, right? Honestly, I think, I mean, I, I don't even think, you know, I, a, a lot of the, a lot of the, the Republicans are, you know, the part of the deep state essentially so they're they're it's not a uniparty yeah exactly they're not really doing us any favors so you know and in some ways totally. they're first because like a wolf wolf in sheep's clothing right you think that you're electing somebody who is going to have your values and interests at heart and they stab yeah. you in the back so. totally yeah, yeah yeah i'm with you on that yeah it, it's complicated for sure um you know I don't know. I don't know how this could happen. Um, let's say, so I'm curious about uh, like how it would work. So let's say the sanctuary cities, would the federal government still like kind of, would it not have power over those areas? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Remember, okay. Interesting. Kind of like Chaz Chop. Only it would be for, yeah, yeah. just just less violence. Right. But it would be a good thing, right? You know, be yes, like exactly a zone, a uh, you know, first a one A zone, you know. Yeah. Like zones where yeah, no, the, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, where these things are protected and cannot be, you know, tampered with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm so curious to hear. If, if you read the anarchist handbook, I'd be really <laughs> curious to hear what you have to say, um, because it, it doesn't even it doesn't even touch like the Constitution. It even says like the Constitution is like uh, you have rights like beyond that, like you don't need that, which is very interesting um, considering, you know, they seem to uh, really ignore our Constitution these days. So uh it's, so it's, uh, it, arguing more of like a natural law type of theory. Sure. M more, yeah. More like the way that, you know, let's say right now, me and you, like we're, you know, 
we're not doing this because the government is, <laughs> you know, telling us what to do. This is a private exchange. You know, you've invited me like into your space into your studio you know I'm I'm the guest we we go by your rules type of thing you know it's, it's kind of like explained yeah it's funny when you think about it right because it's true like or you know one of I always think this is so funny I forgot who said this but it was something like you know if if the government uh you know made like heroin legal I'm not just gonna go do heroin like that's not what's deterring like when you realize that's not what's deterring most people from doing things it's right. it's very fascinating <laughs> so. yeah sure for sure <laughs> well I will definitely read it that's yeah definitely intriguing to me um yeah <laughs> I, I don't know that I think, I don't know. I mean, I haven't read it, so I can't speak to it, but the idea that we don't need our constitution, I think our constitution is, you know, the, one of the strongest uh, arsenals that we have to, you know, and, uh, you know, ammunition that we have to protect the free will of humanity. And I think it's why I, I have a beekeeper analogy, you know, where I say like, you know how they say when all the, the bees go, the humans will cease to exist. Well, I feel like uh, America is like the beekeeper because when America falls and so the world follows. And so it's incumbent upon America, the people of America to preserve the free will of humanity. And I think this, I think you see this, you see that this is why people all over the world look to us. I mean, I had people, you know, when Trump was running again, I had people all over the world, like saying, do the right thing, do the right thing. We're counting on you. Wow. You know, Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Because, you know, whether they liked him or not was kind of irrelevant. They saw. <laughs> it really was irrelevant. That's, was irrelevant. that's a great point. Yeah, because it was really about freedom. And they recognized that we were in danger of having a color revolution. And they were like, if that happens to you, then we're gone. And so, you know, it's kind of like looking to your, your, your older sibling being like, you got to get me out of here because, you know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, you to save me. So, yeah, I, I do agree with that to 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 a big extent, although I've been pleasantly surprised by, you know, some other countries kind of like, unfortunately, kicking our asses in the freedom department, which well, I'm not in, saying in, that proudly <laughs> so in the resistance, in the resistance to the freedom. But it's kind of like, you know, the analogy that you, you mentioned that Jordan Peterson had talked about that when an animal is dying is when they bite the, the hardest right? Mm -hmm. It's because they, mm -hmm. I, I think, I think part of it is that, you know, Americans are very complacent. They think they don't realize that we're under a color revolution. They don't realize yeah. that our freedoms really are being stripped and that it's such a slippery slope. Um, and they don't realize where this could lead. Whereas in other countries, they're at the end. They're like, we need to fight. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a solid point. We're very much like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen here. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's so true. And if you dare like say that, you're like the crazy, right? Totally, totally. What are some things that you feel like, so when you start speaking up about some of these things that just made a lot of sense to you, what are some of the biggest resistance that really surprised you? Like what, what would you think is just such common sense? Because I think, 
But for me, a lot of times I'm like, I'm so shocked that people don't see it. You know, it's a, it's like that it's mind boggling to me that I, I met with such vitriol because it seems so blatantly obvious to me, you know? Oh yeah. I I'm, I'm with you. I, unfortunately it's like almost, I feel like that's almost anything that we say, right. And to, to me, it's like, this is just common sense. I think in the, at the very beginning, um, the, the, the biggest shock factor was like, like I said, with Trump, you know, I was like, this is like not that big of it. Like, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, right. and people are kind of freaking out over his, uh, language. So that's like, you know, way back in the day that I can think about. But um, I think, I can't think of like anything specific that, uh, you know, besides everything <laughs> where I'm like, really, this is kind of, you know, I, I should not be like the genius in the room. This is like what I always think about. Like it's, it's mind boggling sometimes, right? Like, sure. There's some things where you're like, okay, I really did like a lot of reading into this. Fine. This is like some detailed stuff, but there's other stuff where you're like, really? Like, uh, it's, you know, it's just very interesting, but what I, but I did find, uh, I think one of the things that shocked me the most though, in terms of response, yeah. and this, this was one of the, the biggest realizations that I've had, uh, I guess this year, I don't know. It's a blur, right? This year, last year, something like that. I, I know, <laughs> I know. They, they you, know, you know, that chunk, that chunk of years, <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest, uh, realizations was that the left does not have empathy. So I think that a lot of us are told that the left works with their emotions, like they're emotionally triggered and they make decisions based on emotion. Mm -hmm. And when I noticed the response that I got from a lot of left-leaning people and lefty friends, yeah, not th there was not only was there no emotion, but there was about zero empathy. Interesting. And that's when I noticed that they don't actually use their emotions because using your emotions means you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And even if you disagree, you can kind of say, okay, I can kind of see that experience. Okay, I still disagree with it, but I can actually see where this anger is coming from, where this feeling is coming from. That's what a person that has empathy can do, right? Yeah. But they don't do that. So they, I think it's so wrong that we think that they work on emotions because if you work with emotions, you don't cut off your family. You don't cut off your friends. So you don't... Uh, so maybe it's like a triggered anger, like a, like a, you know, that type of emotion, but it's definitely not empathy. Well, it, it's interesting because they, um, you know, they've done a lot of studies on personality and like, you know, political leanings yeah. and uh, the left tends to score very high on uh, compassionate. However, um, it is the uh, part of the compassionate that is kind of like so sorry they they score very high on uh agreeableness but agreeableness okay. by right but agreeableness by four case into uh politeness and compassionate and interestingly enough a lot of people on the right tend to be agreeable but they're agreeable polite not necessarily agreeable compassionate 
um, and people who are agreeable, compassionate, that sounds wonderful, right? That sounds like warm, fuzzy, and like, and women <laughs> tend to be more compassionate. Why? Because women bear children. And so they need to be compassionate towards their, you know, dependent, the, the infant who's dependent upon them, right? But what happens when that infant is being threatened? Is that mama bear super compassionate to the <laughs> intruder? <laughs> no. Right. Not, not exactly. No. And what does that sound like? Does that sound like the social justice warriors who are protecting their little protected class? You know, they're, they have so much compassion for this group and they're, they're going to do everything to protect them. They're like the mama bear of that group. Um, so Yes, they do. You know, we think of them as being emotional. I think when we when we when we say that as being, you know, kind of a stereotype generalization, you know, what I mean, and it it is, um, and there's reasons for stereotypes. You know, they they've given us ample evidence, um, but I think it's also because a lot of times they're um, they make decisions based on those types of things, what resonates for them, as opposed to uh, and again, because they're agreeable, you know, so it's more yeah. of a hive mind. You had said that kind of mindset. So it's not so much that they're uh, empathetic per se. Uh, they're not empathetic to anybody who is outside of their narrative, you know? Yeah, that's exact. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, that was a big learning curve for me because in my head, I always thought, okay, these are emotional people. So let me appeal to their emotions and not in a manipulative way, but really in like a relatable kind of way. Right. Because I feel like, you know, you change the way you speak. Like when I talk to like a guy, I'm going to speak a little bit differently than if I was to talk to like my girlfriends, right. Because you just process things differently and, you know, it's just by nature. Um, and I decided to be vulnerable with several friends and, you know, share with them how I feel regarding, uh, you know, moving from New York City. I was going to, that Austin. was what I was going to ask you about next. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect yeah. segue. Uh, <laughs> so in my uh, mind, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember this video went viral. Um, it was the police officers in Paris, I, maybe it was France, but definitely Paris, um, they were checking the vaccine passports inside of a restaurant. Um, this was, I guess, August of last year. Um, and for some reason, I saw that video. And at this point, New York City was toying with the idea or kind of warning you know, that they were going to do the vaccine passports. And then I saw that it was same day that like the rumors happened. And the same day I saw that video go viral uh, with the police officers going around the cafe, checking the Vax passports. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no way, no way. I mean, it was an instant, like you want to talk about the mama bear reaction? <laughs> it was an instant, like, oh, no. Um, and so our lease was up and we actually already had signed to renew for another year, 
we were looking at other states, but like, I just, it was such a rush. And, you know, I looked around Florida, I, it didn't vibe with me. And I was like, I can't, you know, I have nowhere to go. Like I, I need some time. And so we're like, fine, let's just renew for another year. And in that year, we're going to take our time and we're going to find where to go, where to move. But the second I saw that video, I spoke to my boyfriend and immediately we were both like, nah. And so that second, I kid you not, after seeing that video, I opened my email. I wrote to the, <laughs> to the, um, you know, management of my building. And I said, uh, listen, and I actually said, I, and it's funny cause it sounds a little bit of like a Karen move, but, uh, <laughs> I felt, I felt like they needed to know, um, the odds are that nobody cares, but mm-hmm. I, f- I really felt so passionate about this and I don't know how I phrased it, but basically it really triggered me because I am the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. You better believe I'm never showing papers. <laughs> you right. know, I probably would have, right. right. I, I probably would have felt that way no matter what. Yeah. I would have felt that way no matter what I think, because it's just my personality right. uh, and I'm like freedom over anything, but <laughs> this definitely like, you know, it, this hits a different level. And, um, and I, I wrote that to them and they said, you know, I, I would like to, uh, cancel the, the lease renewal, or uh, maybe I even asked like, what if I, I said this New York city is implementing this. What if I, um, you know, want to cut the lease short, you know, I feel, I don't want to, you know, I don't feel comfortable living in a city that has this type of mandate. Like I legitimately said that, um, you know, not blaming the management, you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of person, but I, I felt like I really wanted to put that in there. Yeah. Um, because I, whenever I do stuff like that, which is not very often, it's in my head, I was kind of like, all right, what if other people are saying the same thing? Right. The odds are low, but <laughs> it was worth writing it down. Anyway, they said, well, since it's, it didn't kick in yet, it's not, you know, it's, it's not September. You actually, uh, you can just, you know, scrap this. Like you didn't even sign the renewal type of thing. Wow. So I was like, okay. And we had two weeks to pack and leave. <laughs> and, uh, and at that point I haven't even been, we hadn't even been to Texas yet, like ever, like ever in my life. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah. And so we basically, we just had a list of States that were options. Obviously, you know, we narrowed it down by, mandates like you know freedom and Mm -hmm. second was weather (laughs) because I was like if I'm getting out of here I don't want winter anymore uh and then and that's kind of how we we went through it and I had a really good feeling about Austin just from knowing the vibe um you know it's it's very happening here Mm -hmm. so I thought I'm not going to do the city thing again, you know, cause that's kind of why I'm leaving. Yeah. But you know, outside of the city, okay. you know, and, and we went uh, labor day weekend, we had like three and a half days. And I mean, I had like research and we just like, we drove everywhere around Austin. Um, we decided that it was a go. We started hitting up apartments. I mean, it, it was crazy. It was like, uh, it was like a blur. <laughs> Right. And, uh, and that was it. That was it. I was, I was out. I mean, it was not even a question for me. It was like a survival instinct. Like this isn't happening. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. What would, so how is it there? I mean, I know Austin has actually gotten, there's a lot of influx from like California and like, it's actually gone oh, yeah. a lot more um, left than, you know, oh, the yeah. rest of Texas. Yeah. Um, so how do you oh, feel yeah. about moving, like living there? You said you're outside the city. I did the same thing. I moved, I moved outside the city. Um, yeah. First time in my adult life living outside the city, but yeah, it was definitely essential <laughs> right now. So how, what do you notice that's different and how do you, it sounds like you like it. Oh, I like it a lot. So, um, yeah. So, so one of the things that has to, I'm very like juju about this. I need mm-hmm. to like vibe, you know, I need to vibe with the place mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, th- there has to be like an energy that just kind of like makes sense for me. The climate made sense for me. The energy made sense for me. And the bottom line is like the laws made sense for me. Listen, would I rather not be around people that are masking wherever they're going? Sure. But I'm not over here like trying to tell you what to do. And you also need to like pick and choose, right? So I didn't want to live in a city, but I also didn't want to be too far from a city, right? I wasn't going to just completely get like hours and hours away from a grocery store, because, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe later in life, that's what I'll want to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but, it, you know, I'm, I'm still like, I still have the, like, I know what I like. Mm-hmm. I like to kind of have the suburb option, but if, you know, if I want to drive like 25 minutes and go to like fancy schmancy restaurant, I'm going to do that. Or even like, you know, there's some, there's something where when you're in a proximity to the city, you're just going to have different opportunities, Right. Whether it's, you know, seeing, for example, Jordan Peterson that we saw like, you know, a few nights back. Um, so you're not, you don't have that convenience when you're that far out. So I knew I wanted a certain energy and a certain vibe, but also kind of like live outside of it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that Austin definitely offered that. I mean, first of all, we came here. Okay, so some people are masking up. I couldn't care less. At no point did anybody ask me to put a mask on, you know, it was just a non-issue, especially coming from Manhattan, where it's like, forget it, you know? And, and you know what's interesting? And I don't know if you've noticed this, but in Manhattan, the people that were masked, they weren't just people that were masked. They were sad and dead in the eyes yeah. and fearful and there was just this energy where here even the masked people I still have not had that experience it's funny we were like I forgot what we were doing at the, we were we stopped for a second in the in the supermarket and this older lady came up to us and she was masked and I don't know why my my PTSD from New York City kicked in and I was always that I thought this woman was gonna like yell at me or something for not wearing a mask I don't know why <laughs> it's terrible but yeah. I was like getting ready I don't know I mean I honestly in New York City that's why somebody comes up to you it's it's awful but that's just that's the truth the and yeah well right it's it's awful that that's your instinct uh you know to like get ready for that but you know she, I forgot she just had like a question and she was just so nice and okay, she was masked, but she was happy and she came close and, you know, okay, great. Like that's, that's all you need. It's just, it it felt very normal and that's okay. She's an older lady. She wants to mask. That's totally cool. I have no problem with it. She was a sweetheart and 
that's that's like it like I don't need like oh I need everybody to not be masked like it's going to take a while people are people are psychologically damaged okay yes and you know if I can help them I will I don't, I don't know how that you know the best thing I can do is I I I lead by example <laughs> you know when everybody's masked I'm not masked um there were there were several instances especially uh, we you know we went to get our licenses and you know, at one point we were definitely the only not masked people in the room and they didn't say anything. This is a government building. Nobody said a word. Nobody even like looked at you nasty. And you know what? That's, that's, it's just one step, but that is one way you can actually influence people. You don't know how many people walked in there because they think they have to wear a mask at a government building. Yeah. Maybe they, you know, they see you and they're kind of like, oh, okay. And then, you know, so but uh, it's, it's super different. (laughs) For sure. For sure. That's so interesting. Yeah. I had the same kind of, you know, I I felt like I was going into battle every day in LA, Um, you know, with the mask. It's so awful. So did you have kind of an immediate, like, you know, this is, you know, this is not the way things should be handled. Like, did you immediately not feel like the masks were a good idea? Did you it sounds like you oh, that's it. that the jabs were just not going to happen. I mean, I don't know how Israel oh, yeah. see it. I, to me, that's just tragic because it, it is like Nazi it's Germany. It's tragic. It's tra- yeah, it's it's really Nazi Germany. And honestly, it's it's kind of embarrassing if you, you know, not to be too harsh, but my God, I mean, you more than anyone should know. Like, it's- come on, that's crazy. What, just because it's your own government? Like, who cares? Where, uh, actually that makes more sense that's usually yeah exactly that's that's who usually turns on you you don't need to you need to look very far you look at your you look at your next door neighbor you know that's who turns on you come on Dazi, uh, right? yeah yeah, yeah it, it's wild right so I, I agree with you on that but you know it's interesting so in terms of the jabs I was you know right away I dove into the science so for me I, I was super skeptical off the bat but the interesting thing is mask wise okay so from what I recall when this first hit um you know I was I didn't think too much of it although I do remember like right before like official lockdown mm-hmm. I remember we were kind of like eh, you know and I recall going to a book club in Manhattan <laughs> to, to meet friends mm-hmm. um and I want to say maybe we didn't hug. Like it, it was a little weird, but we kind of still showed up. This was like, I think like March 9th. And oh, I think the lockdown was like March 15th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was like right there. I do recall though, that I said to my boyfriend, I was like, oh, maybe we'll just do an Uber instead of the subway. It was just like, things were a little weird, but we were still kind of like, I don't know. Um, and then as, as it kind of, progressed and there was the lockdown and they said two weeks I will I will fully admit I was like all right cool two weeks let's go you know like I'm, I'm good like I'm, I'm like a, a team player and I'm like you know you know I felt like I felt like it was war and we're in it together right like hey. sure like I'm a team player let's go like <laughs> so I felt very like felt very like American you know <laughs> I remember that <laughs> I do. I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, very, very innocently. I didn't think much of it, you know, and 
it's it's probably because I don't have, you know, I, I didn't have any background. It's not like, I never looked into like previous pandemics or like anything like that, like mm. not at all. So it, it was almost like not really a big deal. Right. Like, like whatever. I was very like apathetic about it. Like I said, it was like, go team. All right, let's go. Fine. Two weeks. Fine. And, and then as things started, you know, right after that, I was like, okay. Um, but the thing that I, the reason why I think I believed in the mask and stuff a little bit more early on is because I think the fear was, I, I was in the center of the fear because yes. we were in Long Island city. And do you remember the Elmhurst hospital that they called the epicenter of the epicenter? We were like really close to that. So that, so that felt like shit. <laughs> now, um, did you live in an apartment or in a house? I, did. I lived in an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. And they were, they were giving me a really hard time about not wearing my mask, like in the building. Um, now I'm here oh, and the mask, I, and I'm visually impaired. I, I'm blind in one eye. So the masks were creating Shalazian and the IIC out of, um, when other people wore it, I couldn't hear them because I depend so much on lip reading. Um, so it was, the, it was not from right from the beginning. I was like, these masks are not going to work for me. Um, and I got to the point where like, they kept calling me and at the, the fourth time I said, you know, you can't make me wear it. It's a mandate. It's not a law. This is my home. Um, and, uh, they said, we know, but we'd really like you to. And I said, well, I'd really like huh. you to stop harassing me. So <laughs> we'll worry <laughs> uh, if we don't want to harass them too, then, uh, maybe we'll, we'll just uh, call it. <laughs> so, sounds like one of us is breaking the law and it's not me. <laughs> right. <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. I, I never got I don't know. My building was kind of weird. It was like on and off with the mask um, mandate, but I, I was wearing masks in the beginning. I was like, you know, I, I, like I said, I was totally like a team player until it started like, okay. And again, I, I really do think a big part of it was like the fear. It was like, oh my God, you're in the epicenter of the epicenter. Everybody's dying. And everybody's like, oh my God, and in the subway, they were like bleaching the subway. I, I mean, there really was a different experience, whether you were like in the thing like in the center of it and yeah. then like other places like like I, I know for example like my you know my parents were in the suburbs um for part of it and we did end up going like I guess it was summer of 2020 you know just to kind of like get out of the city yeah. and I had like a huge reality check on that one. I was like, oh my God, this is like a different life. Because yeah. you have a car and you can just, oh my God. I mean, it's it's a different world. And that's when I really realized how different people's experiences probably were during this entire thing. And that's why some people are so scarred while others are like, oh, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, because I saw the scarring that I had while I realized kind of early on, you know, how much of like BS this was, although not to the extent that I know now, to be honest with you, like yeah. I didn't catch on as quickly as I probably should have, you know? Um, but yeah, fear played like a real role, you know, they, uh, they, they played that up and, you know, 
if you you know I, they kind of use that whole like do your like patriotic duty type thing uh, against you you know which is funny because now they're doing that like different administration like doing the same thing right like now they're doing it with the vax like do your duty and yep yeah so they, they're absolutely yeah. doing wow. that and they're trying to scare people and they're hiding things from people and it's uh not good <laughs> it's definitely not good but it's funny when you talk about like different parts of the country even you know having different experience my favorite is when they asked the Amish like why it wasn't an issue for them and they said we don't have tv we didn't get that program <laughs> I died it's it's <laughs> so good and it's so true though like <laughs> yeah like, honestly it's it's like you know people really say like hey you want the virus to be over uh shut off your tv exactly <laughs> yeah exactly shut off the tv and you know switch out switch off the program because they they are they're programming fear um oh yeah what do you see for the future what do you think uh will be with our country with the world yeah with you yeah i I'm optimistic. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> besides <laughs> I the fact it. that it's my name, <laughs> besides the fact that it's my nature, I just, I, I can see the pattern. So mm -hmm. again, I think the, the most important thing is if people are feeling pessimistic or like black pilled about what's happening, yeah, you need to realize that you are like inside the tornado right now. <laughs> right. And, and that's very hard to see clearly when when you're inside of what's happening this revolution this this awakening this whole thing but this is not the beginning of this awakening and decentralization it's just we're starting to hit one of the rougher parts of it that's really what it is but like i said before it really started probably like with the internet right like like i said you know being able to like have your own website, being able to like produce your own movie, your own music. That's kind of how it started. But maybe they just didn't see it like as a threat or maybe they saw it as a little threat, but you know, and, and as we're getting more and more power and they're losing more and more. And, you know, these are not talented people. They don't have many moves. They're not these like geniuses, right? That's a big white pill. We are way smarter than they are. They don't have many moves. They're kind of like dummies, okay? Um, and and I, I do believe that we are, we're winning and we're, we're taking away their power, even though they're going to try and try and try. But just like how their movement is global, so is ours. You know, it really is like our That's awakening it's a, it's a global it's a global movement you know so so it's like friends so they, i i yeah. just want to, so sorry to, to interrupt but there's no. something i want to address in that um the, there's a huge difference because the theirs is global but it's global elites right so people at the top who have this power and their agenda is the new world order one world government but yeah. we definitely outnumber them the freedom, oh, yeah. is, that is a global movement as well. And we may not have the power, but we have the numbers and there's power in numbers. So that is exactly. actually, we really hadn't thought about it that way. And that's, that's quite powerful. 
And you, you heard like, you know, the recent video that came out from World Economic Forum and they were like, yeah, we saw like a, a study that showed that like most people, you know, they just don't trust the elites. And it's like, well, really? Well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> did you really need a whole study on that? So the bottom line is I, I don't think they're winning. You know, I, I really don't. I think that that we're absolutely winning. And I think that they are just freaking out. And so they're trying to make us as miserable as possible, as quick as possible. But we are smarter. We're more creative than they are. And I just, I see, I see a very, very bright future. And like I said, whenever people think, you know, doom and gloom, black pill, just remember, you're probably focusing too much on the right now. You got to like hop outside your body for a second and just look, look at the trends, look at the trends, the positive trends, like much, you know, go much further back, you know, and just see kind of what's happening and also why they're freaking out and behaving the way that they are, you know, because they're losing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's very optimistic. And I, I, I hope you're right. I do fear it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better though. So I think they uh, have a lot of uh, plans they really want to implement. So I'm hoping that more people wake up and, you know, I think it's great that people are taking action. They're moving out of the cities. They're taking control yeah. of the things that they can control. Um, you know, and things like the trucker convoys, you know, people just really putting their foot down and saying, you know, no, yeah. I'm not, I'm not on board. Yeah. With Civil disobedience yeah. is really the way it has been always. And I, I think it's the way forward. So yeah, yeah totally. I'm with you. <laughs> well, this is it's been awesome. I don't know if you have anything else that you would like to add and definitely let us know where we can find you and let us know if there's anything you yeah. want to with. Yeah, thank you. Uh so my podcast is called Can Relate with Yael Becker. Uh, so you can find me basically everywhere at Yael Becker. Uh, on Twitter, I'm Yael underscore Becker. Uh, my website is yaelbecker.com. Uh yeah, that's it. So follow me anywhere. Uh, you know, I try to answer as many comments as possible. I, I love chatting with people. I'm such a people person. So um, yeah, this is super fun. Awesome. Well, we will do it again. We'll uh, find some uh, topic we want to deep dive on and we'll, we'll hop in, <laughs> go down the yeah, rabbit hole. I love that. Yes, I love that. Awesome. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.